and verse 1. Philippians 3 and verse 1. Uh, this time of year, it gets cold and sometimes it gets overcast. And uh, sometimes you get the blues, right? Has anybody ever had the blues before? Uh, uh, listen, I, I want to tell you something. Praise God, we don't have to be uh, controlled by what's going on with the weather uh, to determine whether or not we have joy. Uh, yes, we're affected by some of these things, but, but praise God, our joy is not dependent upon the outward circumstances of this life. Uh, our joy is supernatural. It comes from God. And uh, he is able to provide the joy that we need. Um, Paul in this scripture is actually describing, he tells them, he says, rejoice. But then he tells them some things that could stand in the way of their joy. Uh, and he talks about false doctrine. He talks about the lies of the enemy uh, that come through that false doctrine. Uh, and he talks about the fact that we can sometimes substitute other things for God, and we can put other things greater than God in importance in our lives. And so he's saying, look, I want you to see in my own testimony uh, what it means uh, to follow Jesus, and when we follow Jesus in this way, we can have joy. And so um, we need to evaluate ourselves from time to time to see where we are with the Lord um, and, and that we're walking with God. Uh, the Ephesian church um, was told by Jesus that they had left their first love. Everything else looked good. They had good programming. Uh, they, were, they were standing upon the Word of God. They, they were reaching out. They were doing all these things. But they, they had missed the fact that their love toward God had grown cold. Uh, many times our, our love can grow cold toward God because some of these things enter into our lives and begin to steal our joy as his people. And so we need to be aware of that and uh, confess anything uh, and repent of anything that would be stealing our joy. The title of my message is Identifying What Hinders Your Joy. And so if you look with me at verse 1 of Philippians 3, it says, In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you about this again is, is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who wor worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Jesus Christ, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. <clears throat> Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of the Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So identifying what hinders your joy. How do we identify that? Well, first of all, ask, what lies am I believing? What lies am I believing? He tells them rejoice, but he says, look, beware of the circumcision. Beware of these who are, he calls them dogs. Why? Because the Jews often called the Gentiles dogs. <laughs> and since Philippi was a Gentile city, they'd probably heard themselves called dogs. And uh, they had been told by this group called the circumcision that they had to be circumcised to be saved. They had to become a part of the people of, G of Israel to be saved. And Paul says it's a lie from the pit of hell. You're not saved by anything that you do. You are saved by the grace of God. You are saved by the work of Christ. His righteous life lived for you. And in his uh, death on the cross for you. And so uh, he says these are, are evil workers. Did, do you know that there can be those who call themselves Christian. Who even come to the church of God who will try to lead the people of God astray. So we've got to be aware of those things, and not only be aware of those things, but, but to be honest with ourselves when we believe the lie. How do you do that? How do you identify when you believe the lie? Well, you, you need to be in God's Word. That's one great way to identify it. Um, sometimes I, I have uh, been going through something, and maybe intellectually I know something, but I realize that in practice, I really haven't been living as though I believe that. And I'll come across a verse maybe in my quiet time or in my study. And um, I just realize, Lord, I've not been trusting you in this area. Or I've not been uh, walking this way that you want me to walk. And, and, uh, and I'll confess that to God. And, and I have believed the lie. Right? Have you ever had the enemy whisper in your ear, why do you even try to follow God? Uh, why do you give up this effort? Why, why are you trying so hard? Listen, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. You'll never measure up. Have you ever heard those things? Or maybe, maybe not, I'm not talking about an audible voice, but maybe in your mind you've thought those thoughts. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Where that comes from, it comes from hell. It's a lie of the devil. And you identify those lies through God's truth. But sometimes those lies will come from an individual. So another way we identify lies, if they're quoting Scripture, is to look in context. I've, uh, a number of times I've had people in cults that have come to my house and have tried to talk to me ab about the Scripture. And what I've noticed is what they'll do, they'll go from this verse to this verse to this verse to this verse to this verse. And they skip around the Bible and they take all these verses out of context. And so what I'll do is I'll say, well, actually... What that verse means is this, if you look at the context, it'll make it clear. And after I do that, I remember one time I was doing that with this fellow, after about the third time I did that, he said, will you just let me finish my presentation? You know, and uh, he was kind of frustrated with me, but, but that's what you've got to do. You've got to look at, evaluate what's being said based on the Word of God. You ought to even do that with me. Your pastor I try, to, I try to preach the Word. I try to do it faithfully and accurately. But can I tell you something? There may be a time I'm wrong. Evaluate what I'm saying based on the Word 
of God. So how else can you evaluate whether or not you're believing a lie? Be with God's people. Right? Sunday school is a great place. We, we talk about different things in Sunday school. We, we interact together uh, in Sunday school and, and can ask questions. And, um, and it's interesting. Sometimes I've, I've seen this dynamic take place. Somebody will say something. Somebody else will say, well, I'm not sure about that. Have you ever thought about this? And then somebody else will pop up and somebody else will pop up. And you have this great discussion and you realize, yeah, this is not the way it is. This is the way it is. And it helps to correct our thinking as we fellowship with one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. As we meet together as Christians, God uses that time to expose the lies that we're believing. As you hear the word of God, oftentimes God will expose the lies that we've been believing. Did you know I believed the lie that I was a, a believer in Jesus Christ? That I had been saved. I believed that lie for a number of years. I'd walked an aisle and I'd been dunked in a baptistry, but I didn't know Christ. You see, I'd not repented of my sin. And I'll never forget the, the day... The message was preached, and I, I still remember the text because it, it impacted me so greatly. Uh, Repent, or you shall all likewise perish. And that pierced my heart, and I realized that I was lost, that I had not repented of my sins, that I was going my own way, and I repented of my sin. Can I tell you something? That made such a huge difference in my life. And it came because the Word of God exposed a lie that I had been believing. And you know what happened when I came to Christ? I found joy. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? So ask yourself, what lies am I believing? And babe, they're everywhere. Everywhere in the culture. Uh, if, if you go out in the culture, you will find lies everywhere you look. And most of it will be the opposite of what God says. Um, if you look at the culture, if you look in, in, the, in the realm of politics, what does God say about marriage? One man, one woman in the context of marriage for a lifetime. What does the culture say? LGBTQ and all these other things. Uh, no. The Bible says that marriage is between a man and a woman. How do you identify the lie? You look in the Word of God. Okay? Okay. Uh, God wants the best for us. He has the best purpose for us. So he tells us in his word. Uh, if you look at the culture, where they say, well, it's a woman's right to choose. What's God say? It's a baby created and made in the image of God. You see, the word of God, what, what, is, what does it say in Psalm 139? Uh, David says, Lord, you, you weaved me together in my mother's womb. You observed me. Uh, you had all my days written in your book before one of them came to be. You had a plan for my life. You were there. The Word of God exposes the lie. Uh, sometimes people say, well, you know... Uh, we, we, are, uh, we are evolved from apes. Uh, somebody said, well, you know, once I was a tadpole, 
swim in the sea, then I was a monkey hanging in a tree, now I'm a professor with my PhD. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how you trust what you believe if you believe that you're evolved. How do you know you're evolved enough to know what you're talking about? But the Word of God reveals that to be a lie. We're created in the image of God. We're fashioned by God for His purpose. Um, the world of ge- genetics has, has revealed that um, more and more because there's very specific coding in the DNA of human beings. And it, it, it doesn't change. It doesn't gradually change. And see, we, we've, we've finally caught up with the evidence in the, in the culture, uh, even though it's not accepted in many corners, but, but God has always exposed the lie. He's always said we've been created in the image of God. So the Word of God reveals the lies. Sometimes those lies are on big things like we've been talking about, but more often there are subtle lies that we believe. And that's why we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be with God's people. We need to be in God's house so that God can help expose these things in our lives. Because what did Jesus say? You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, it's when we understand the truth of God's Word that we can live the path of freedom and joy that God has called us to live. So, identifying what hinders your joy. Uh, How do you do that? Well, ask yourself, what lies am I believing? Secondly, ask, what am I substituting for Christ? What am I substituting for Christ? Paul begins to explain his past. And he says, you know, hey, uh, this small group of Jews that is opposing you called the circumcision, I know where they're coming from because I used to be in that group. Matter of fact, I did it better than they did. Okay. He says, he says, let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about my past. And he says, he says, I'm an Israelite. I'm born in a kingly tribe. I'm born of the tribe of Benjamin, where King Saul came from. Uh, I'm, I'm born uh, in, into a life of, of those who are practicing as Pharisees. According to the highest level of dedication in Judaism. He says, I, I dotted every I, I crossed every T, I lived a blameless life as a Jew. He says, But I'm gonna tell you something. It can't compare to Christ. Jeremiah uh, wrote to the people of Israel and he said, Look, you've you've turned away from God. You're you're, you're putting your trust in these other things. And he says, it's like pouring water in broken cisterns. You know, here I'm trying to invest in these things in my life to bring me satisfaction, right? Pour that water, pour that water. What's happening? It's going right out the bottom. doesn't work. Why? Because only Jesus can truly satisfy your soul. What are you substituting for Jesus in your life? What do you look to to provide the meaning and satisfaction of your life? Is Jesus number one in your life? If the answer to that question is no, I'm not looking to Jesus as the primary thing to satisfy my soul, and Jesus is not number one in my life, then you're guilty of the sin of idolatry. You see, 
we can take things like pursuing a happy life, uh, family, uh, sports, recreation, or leisure time, work, all these things. Nothing wrong with those things in general. But when they become the things we look to, to satisfy the deepest need of our heart, there's something desperately wrong because we need to be looking to Jesus for that. Um, <clears throat> Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. A full, rich, meaningful life. You say, well, well, what about Christians who are suffering in other countries? Yeah, that's true. Christians are being persecuted in other places. But I want to tell you something. You can have joy in the midst of persecution. I remember hearing a testimony of a, a few uh, uh, missionaries from Waco, uh, Texas, that had been imprisoned in a foreign nation. And they said, you know, uh, the lady was being interviewed. She said, you know, I never have felt the peace of God and the presence of God like I felt in that jail cell overseas. God was with me. He was sustaining me. Paul and Silas knew about that, didn't they? What were they doing? They'd just been beaten for preaching the gospel. They're in the Philippian jail, and they begin to have a worship service. I, I don't know if they were lifting their hands, you know, if you can do that after you've just been beaten. or, or, or you know, but, but they were having a worship service. And the Spirit of God came down, and the gates began to shake, and the doors came open. Long story short, the Philippian jailer got saved through the whole process, and God delivered them. But you see, they had joy in that circumstance. Why? Because Jesus was number one. They weren't looking to their outward circumstances for their joy. They were looking to Jesus Christ for their joy. So they could have joy even in the midst of suffering. That's the kind of joy that is supernatural, that is supplied by the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what are you substituting for Christ? If there's anything in your life that is more important to you than Jesus, you need to confess it and repent of it if you want to have joy in your life. So what lies am I believing? Identifying what hinders your joy. What lies am I be believing? What am I substituting for Christ? Thirdly, who am I trusting for salvation? Who am I trusting for salvation? Uh, Paul's saying, hey, all these things I consider lost, I consider them as dung in order that I may gain Christ. He said, and be found in him. But verse 9 says, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. The righteousness from God based on faith. Paul said, I had an outward righteousness, but it wasn't good enough. You know what God's standard is? Perfection. Jesus said, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And guess what? None of us are. Listen, I, 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 I can't keep track of my sins from week to week, much less over a lifetime. Praise God, there is mercy and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But um, he says, look, if you're looking to yourself to get yourself to heaven, if you think, I'm going to be good enough, I'm going to go to church enough, I'm going to do enough good things that are going to outweigh my bad things, uh, I'm going to do good things in the community. If that's what you're trusting, get yourself to heaven, forget it. 
Not only will you not get to heaven, but you'll not have joy. Because salvation doesn't come through our own performance, because none of us are perfect. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Scripture says. Instead, we need to trust Jesus. Jesus is the only one in history ever to live a perfect life. In his words, in his thought life, in his deeds. What, he never failed to do the right things he should do. He never did the things he wasn't supposed to do. He did everything perfectly. He was the perfect, spotless sacrifice that died in our place. And the Bible says in Romans 5 that when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he justifies us. What's that mean? It just means that God credits the righteousness of Christ to me. I don't get to heaven based on my own righteousness. I get to heaven based on Christ's righteousness. It's a gift of God. So, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, uh, it, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, if I'm getting to heaven by Christ's righteousness, I can't boast in it, right? I wasn't good enough to get there. Christ was good enough in my behalf. Okay? Uh, Titus 3, 5 uh, also talks about this. Um, it says, not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? We go out in this community and we talk to people about Jesus all the time. And when we ask people, what do you think it takes to get to heaven? Or, or what would you say if God were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? We hear it over and over again. Well, I'm a good person. That doesn't, that doesn't get it done. Listen, praise God. We trust in Jesus Christ. And listen, if you trust in Jesus Christ, you'll have God's joy. By the way, many Christians lose their joy because they forget that. Did you know you weren't saved at the beginning by your goodness and you're not, you're not receiving the blessings of God now because you're good enough for it? Now, you should seek to do, live a good life and be righteous and holy and there's a good, good, uh, that's a good purpose uh, and there are blessings that come from that. <clears throat> but that is not the basis of our acceptance before God. I'm accepted before God not because of my performance, I'm accepted before God because Christ has credited his righteousness to me. There's a, a, a vision uh, in the book of, of Zechariah where uh, Joshua the high priest is standing before God. And he's clothed in these filthy rags and um, <clears throat> Satan is accusing him. And the angel of the Lord or messenger of the Lord, which in, in the Old Testament the angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ. It's a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Before he came to be born and as a baby in Bethlehem, <clears throat> the angel of the Lord comes and he removes the filthy garments and he puts on a beautiful white garment upon his shoulders and he says, now he's fit to be before you, Father. Did you know that's exactly what Christ did for you? 
When Satan accuses you, don't argue with him. Agree with him. And then say, but that's not the basis for my acceptance before God. I'm clothed with the pristine, perfect, holy righteousness of Jesus Christ. Find fault with that if you can, devil. You see, I am justified. Hallelujah. (laughs) Who are you trusting for your salvation? Trusting in yourself is a bad idea. But trusting in Jesus Christ not only will get you to heaven, but you'll begin to experience God's joy. Because why? Because joy is found in a person. And when you trust Jesus Christ, he begins a relationship with you. And he comes and lives within you. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life, and the wrath of God remains on him. You see, the only way you can have joy in your life is to have a genuine salvation experience with Jesus Christ where he changes you and forgives you and clothes you in his very righteousness. Praise God uh, for his mercy and his grace. Um, As we think about a new year, God gives uh, new chances and new opportunities more than once a year. Did you know that? His mercies are new every morning. (laughs) Why? Because we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. If you know Jesus, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You are accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, identifying what hinders your joy. How? Well, ask yourself, what lies am I believing? Secondly, what am I substituting for Christ? Thirdly, who am I trusting for salvation? And fourthly, what am I unwilling to let go? What am I unwilling to let go? If you look in verse 10, Paul says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that somehow I will reach the resurrection from among the dead, being conformed to his death. Jesus said, if a man will follow after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We've got to be willing to let go what Christ asks us to let go. There may be something in his word where he, <clears throat> he tells us, that this, is, this is a sinful behavior. You need to let this go. You need to be willing to let it go. It may be something that God just deals, about, deals with you about in your heart, and you just feel a conviction. I remember uh, we've, we've got a, a friend in Texas who was telling us her son raised pot-bellied pigs and uh, loved his pigs and was doing great with it, and then, you know, he would sell them and, and was making some pretty good money from it. <clears throat> but it had begun to consume quite a bit of his life, and, and he began to just feel convicted by the Spirit that he needed to give up his pigs. So he went to his mom and he said, you know, mom, I, I think God's asking me to get rid of my pigs, so I'm going to do it. And he did. He, he got rid of his pot belly pigs. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with having a pot belly pig. Well, you're right. But God knew in his life it was standing between the best life that God had for him. And uh, it was taking away from his time with God. And so it needed to go. We've got to be willing to have open hands in our lives. We've got to be willing to say yes to Jesus when he puts his finger on something in our life. 
And if we clutch to something and say, well, well, Jesus, I'll follow you in these other things, but I will not follow you in this, you won't have joy. You won't have joy. Why? Because you're quenching the Spirit of God. And joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I, I can remember before I came to Christ, that was an issue for me. I, I mentioned to you the message I heard, and I knew I was lost at that point, but I began, there, there was a struggle there because I didn't want other people. What will other people think about me if I go and I admit that I haven't been a Christian? I've been telling everybody, that, at least in the church, that I was a Christian. What are they going to think of me? And that was a real issue. You say, well, that's a, that's a, dumb, a dumb belief to have. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's the belief I had. But I struggled with that, and I had to let that go. And, and I, I actually, I, I don't know who it was, but I remember somebody saying, um, if, you will, if you're having trouble repenting, just ask God to help you. It's a simple thing, but it clicked. The light bulb went on in my head. I thought, well, maybe I ought to do that. And so I remember I went up to the altar, and I began to just tell God, Lord, I, I want to surrender to you, but I'm struggling with it. Will you please help me do it and do it genuinely from my heart? And he did. And uh, what, what a blessing. But you know what I found? There have been a number of times in my Christian life where things have cropped back up, where I start holding on to this or that. It becomes too important in my life. And God has to put his finger on it and say, let it go. And I don't have joy until I let it go. What's Paul saying? He's saying, look, <clears throat> rejoice. Enjoy the joy of the Lord. Let it be a part of your regular life. Draw near to him, praise him, and thank him, and, and just enjoy the joy of being a child of God. But watch out, because there are some who will try to steal your joy, and there are some things in your own life that will steal your joy if you're not careful. And here's how to do it. Set it all aside to follow Christ. He says, I... As, as great as these things were in, the, in my position, I was, I, everybody thought I was great, Paul says, in, in Judaism. I, I'd done all these great things, and I was respected. And then I chose to follow Jesus, and those very people who respected me now despise me. He says, but I consider all that past life dung. Dung. You say, well, you shouldn't say that word in church. Dung. Okay? <laughs> Listen. He says, Listen, it is it is." Less important than dung when compared to Christ. Listen, that's true of anything in your life that you're, that you're putting before Christ. There's nothing that can compare to Him. Set it aside. Let it go to follow Jesus Christ. And he says, uh, verse 8, you can just hear the emotion in Paul's voice here. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss. Why? In view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I do all this for Him. Knowing Him is the greatest thing that you can ever know. Following Him is the greatest choice you could ever make. I do it for Him. And I found that he is worthy of it. Um, 
those of you who have walked with Christ for years and have, have grown closer and closer to him, you know how sweet is the presence of Jesus Christ. There's no peace like his presence. There's no joy like his presence. It is the pearl of great price. <laughs> Jesus said, <clears throat> man heard about this. He found this, this great uh, pearl and this and he went out and he sold everything he had to buy the field where he found the pearl so he could have this great pearl of great price. Everything he had. And went away rejoicing. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You give everything you have for Jesus Christ, he can fill your heart with joy. Money can't do it. Sex can't do it. Drugs and alcohol can't do it. Achievement can't do it. Only Jesus satisfy your soul. Put your trust in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for showing us and reminding us yet again who is